So you're a mad wizard, and you have created a brand new monstrosity to terrorize a nearby village. Or, I don't know, for shits and giggles, no one asks why they make these things, but you've made one. I'm lonely. That's that's all I need, right? This is along the same vein as, like, your bugbear, or, or your, you know... Uh, sorry, not bugbear. Owl bear. bear or man bear pig, <laughs> yeah. or something along those lines. Um, or, sorry, what have you made, and why? Okay. And it has to be a monstrosity? Monstrosity. Are you Like an amalgamation of two natural animals. Oh, I went with something completely different in my brain. Okay, well, let's, let's roll and figure it out. I got five. Eight. I got a one. Cool. I wanted to see how disgusting you could make something. So I just want a living being that is just covered in fingernails. Like, and all I can think about is, like, that Simpsons episode where Homer has, like, the eye surgery and then his eyes crest over. Yeah. I just want to think of, like, how disgusting you can make something. Uh, you, you've gone you've gone 80% of the way there, but the correct, the correct answer is hangnail. There you like, go. Just a bunch of hangnails. Just covered in hangnails. I'm yeah. sorry, Dave. A bunch of tiny, <laughs> tiny hangnails. Oh, yeah. Dave had Dave has a fear of hangnails. He's got a phobia about her. Oh, and, good. And we discovered this one time when I said it would be horrible if you were to grab a, a hangnail and just rip it all the way up your finger and, like, yeah. up your arm. And, and you we vomited? Watched, yeah, we watched Dave turn green. He I'm sorry, Dave. Our friendship has just ended because I've said this. <laughs> um, it's been a good spin of slice. <laughs> really? This is the thing that ended it? Well, I feel like he's going to hate Not me. Not the litany of other reasons, but this is the thing. This is what he's going to hate me for, yeah. <laughs> Um, for me, I don't know, man. Like you mentioned octopuses, uh, octopi, octopi, octopi. Um, I, I love octopi. I love the aesthetic of it. Um, and there's a lot of like cracking cults that are based out of it, but I don't know. Having a, we have land sharks and bullets, so I wouldn't mind seeing some sort of land octopus, um, uh, large size, I don't know, octopus bear or octopus raccoon. Just like a little like. Well, would it just be like a bear with eight le- eight arms, or would it be like a bear with eight tentacles? Oh, so I'm gonna go with the scariest thing that exists out there for me, and that is a shark. I do not like sharks. I do not like the open water. I do not like oceans, and sharks bother me. So I'm gonna take the head of a shark, and the size of a shark, and I'm gonna put it on a uh, water bear. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? These little microscopic yeah. creatures with the. The horrible rolls of fat and those gross six arms with all the claws and stuff. But now that, with the head of a shark, the size of a shark, and it's on land. I hate it. I already hate it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, Why? Because that is something that I can picture a D&D party fighting. It's and it would be, be like a gelatinous cube too at the same time. Right? Oh, it, like, it would be, it doesn't it would walk, be, it just like vibrates, vibrates down the battlefield. No, no, no. It it goes dump, dump, dunk. It's got these just giant legs, but its body <laughs> as it goes, right? Because it just it just jiggles. <laughs> it just jiggles. And have you guys ever seen the, the back half of one of these? It doesn't have an anus. It just eats and absorbs whatever it is. So this thing would eat and just get bigger and bigger. And that's that's my crazy mechanic for it. So it starts off small size, but if you don't kill it right away, you can fight a huge one of these. I don't like it. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation about role-playing wizards in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. I'm Dan, and with me this week are Megan and Adam, and this episode is called Wizards, just reading for a spell. Yeah. You're so proud of your titles, though, so I feel like you have to get those right. <laughs> we, we've, we've been talking back and forth, and I know we've mentioned it before. We've been talking back and forth that 
Adam has named these episodes something funny usually, usually from the very start. Yeah. And uh, it never makes it into the actual episode. We title the episode it sometimes. Yeah. Um, other times I'll throw something on and then at one o'clock in the morning before the episode's posted, you'll have an epiphany of a better pun. Yeah. And I will look at my phone the next morning and be like, that's not what I typed out, but what the shit, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, oh yeah. Um, so as with a lot of these class episodes, we are going to break down some subclasses. Um, th- this being the third Wizards episode, um, we are going to break down the subclasses first, and then we are going to discuss some tips and tricks to playing a very specific type of wizard. So um, being that we're going to do subclasses first, Adam, Megan, let's grab our dice, let's roll, see who gets to cover their subclass first. I got a three. I rolled an at 20. I got an 11. Megan? Yay! We really covered the spectrum there. <laughs> um, all right, so I get to cover uh, necromancy. Yay! Um, I love, which is weird to say out loud, but that's fine. Um, all right, so basically the School of Necromancy kind of explores the cosmic forces of life, death, and undeath. So essentially you're just learning how things live, how things breathe, how things die, what the afterlife is kind of like. You're kind of obsessed with that kind of stuff. Um, So a lot of people would imagine this is your classic, like your dark priest or your mad scientist or your just I like dead bodies kind of person. There's always this kind of weird, um, like, hunched over. They've always got bad posture. I don't know why necromancers are always the ones with bad posture. Oh, no. See, I'm the opposite. They're always tall and regal Jafar. Yeah. Like, they're very specific in everything they do. Their finger movements when they pick up, like, a cup of tea are very... So they're more Hannibal Lecter than they are. Yeah, because they understand how the body works. See, see, me, it's, it's this, like pale gaunt he almost looks sort of undead himself he's got like the strands of oddly wet hair that are just thin and hanging that's the apprentice bent over and (laughs) pale and like wearing robes that are dirty and he doesn't seem to care because he's been up all night digging bodies out of the local graveyard you're just describing igor yeah which is like no but no i'm talking like third uh thin and and gaunt igor 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 yeah, but no, I kind of agree with Adam that I like the idea of it being you're a meticulous person, like you are in charge of life and death, like mm. you understand what you're doing, you have like this intelligence about you that this confidence in what you know, right? Yeah, my only reasoning for, for the poise is because he's a wizard, he's spending all his time reading, he's yeah. like, it, it, what you're describing to me is the circle of spores druid, okay, yeah. else, Dan, right? So that's... So I'm going cleric to, of the grave. Mm. Yeah, but but a death cleric is also like upright as well. But a grave cleric is is you know hunched over. Yeah, it, it's in my head. Do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So I'll go through some of the things that you kind of get. Um. Just taking this school choice as wizard. So the first thing you get is your necromancy savant. Uh. So beginning when you select this school at second level, the golden time you spend uh to copy a necromancy spell into your book is halved. Mm. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, how often do you force your wizards to actually take the time to write their spells into their book and hold them true to it? Only if it's, it's gritty as shit. If yeah. I am like really digging into the minute by minute, we're in the middle of a dungeon, you want to get that shit copied over. The moment I've given you an eight hour rest, I don't care. Yeah, that that counts for you is the rest of yeah. the point. You just assume that that's what they're spending their time doing. Yeah, if we, by the time we get into town, I, it's all right. Yeah. My, my only... My only re- requirements is that the wizard tell me that they've added the book the specific spells to their spell book yeah 
because um, the last thing I want is um, surprise spell. A surprise spell as a DM. I've got so many like plates spinning. Having a wizard pull out the perfect spell that I was not aware that they had access to. Yeah. Um, is just off putting. So if I've given it to them in a spell book, because the other being a lazy DM, I'll often be like, "You find a spell book," and they go, "What's in the spell book?" And I go, "Spells." All of the spells. I put them in there. I promise. I had I, I did one <laughs> mistake once in my early uh, fifth edition DMing days where I uh, gave someone a spell book and we were like level four or something, and they're like, "What's in a spell book?" I'm like, "All the cantrips, oh. all of them." Yeah, that, you now could do all the cantrips. That's insane. And and I didn't realize that cantrips aren't in a spell book. So, because uh, they're not really spells? No. So, no, there's zero level spells. You just know them. You just know them. Yeah, because they don't they don't take spell slots, so no. they're zero level. Right? Well, I, uh, was it fourth edition that they were just... Fourth edition, yeah. I'm they... thinking, like, there was, one, there was one edition where they just... Was there it? was Orisians and cantrips, Orisons, or whatever they're called, and cantrips. Yeah. And they were a completely different class of magic mm-hmm. on their own. Um, and then spells were anything first level to ninth. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean, that's apparently not the thing. But uh, I don't see cantrips being written in a spell book. I don't know why. It's just like, a, I feel like cantrips are the, this is your second nature. You learned it because this is what, you don't have to concentrate on it, right? This is just a no. thing that you know how to do. I'm that's pretty, how I look at them. I'm pretty sure cantrips are a thing that go into a spell book because well, there's a pact of the tome. There's something that you get where you like, maybe it's magical secrets I don't remember. It's one of the things that's in the player's handbook that says specifically you get a spell book, and in it there are a couple of cantrips and a first level spell that you now know. I, I yeah, but the Pact of the Tome isn't a spell book per se. It's it's kind of like the the item. creepy forbidden book of spells. Book, well, no, <laughs> well, no, like it the creepy forbidden like cultist <laughs> book is like the the vibe that the warlock. Uh, Pact of the Tome kind of gives off. You've been given this book from beyond and in it are secrets. Some of those things are spells, yeah, but other things are just like insane ramblings of previous cultists. Yeah. Oh, so it's my DM book. My yeah. DM binder. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy ramblings and occasional brand new spells. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right, moving on. Uh, so at second level, you get Grim Harvest, which you gain the ability to reap life energy from creatures you kill with your spells, which I think is pretty cool. For early in game. I just love how it's called harvest. Yeah. Well, like, it's, it's like, like, okay, we're going to move on to the next room. One second, I must harvest. I've got some harvesting <laughs> that I need to do. And just like peeling the flesh off a corpse or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Once per turn, uh, when you kill one or more creatures with a spell of first level or higher, uh, you regain hit points equal to twice the spell's level or three times its level if the spell belongs to the school of necromancy. Um, you don't gain the benefit uh, for killing constructs or undead, so you can't kill your own just to gain it which i think is like they have to put that in because yeah. i feel like you would just animate dead things kill them and yeah. gain life right if, if that if that wasn't in there there'd be a bunch of nerds like me going oh look a loophole <laughs> yeah i'm gonna kill this animate it kill it again animate it i've done that before as a character and it's not fun so <laughs> um but i think this is pretty cool the only thing that i can think of that i don't really like about it is the fact that you have to kill it which doesn't often happen as a wizard until higher level yeah, you're doing that first round of damage while the barbarian runs up to it. Yeah. Especially as a necromancer, like, a lot of your spells kind of blend that line between offensive and defensive. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, I mean, an evocation wizard, sure. 
Yeah. They'll, they'll do that. But... Uh, you gotta be pretty lucky for this to pop off well. If, if you have built a necromancer with no invocation spells, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> oh, well, let me talk about that later. Um, all right, so I'm going to move on to <laughs> the undead thralls. Thrall, I was thralls. almost said thralls. Yeah. Um, at sixth level, you add the animate dead spell to your spell book. Um, if it's not already, uh, when you cast animate dead, you can target one additional corpse or pile of bones, creating another zombie or skeleton as appropriate. So basically, if you've already taken the spell or already have it, it just gets buffed a little bit at this level. Guys, we sat at a table with a necromancer for a year and a half and this is all news to me. I know. With, with, uh, she was such a a amazing character. Yeah, which She was a softy necromancer. Yeah, but uh, I, I, I don't, don't, I don't know think about she ever that. Used Not till the end. She she fully embraced right from the beginning the menace yeah. of a necromancer and I think I think that's what she really grasped onto. Yeah, the um, mechanical I, side of it was an afterthought. Yeah. It was there to be creepy as balls. And, yeah. and yeah. as as the target for a lot of that menace. She pulled it off very well. Oh yeah. <laughs> she she lived and breathed the emotions that were required to be a necromancer. But, like, did not utilize her abilities to the fullest extent. But then again, as a paladin, I also did not. So, I yeah. come on. The, the, <laughs> the, the time she turned to me and very calmly said, Dan, I am talking to you. This isn't in character. This is to you. I will pay you back for this. <laughs> when I did something for her, like, against <laughs> her characters. And, like, just like the slow, you will pay for this slight against me. And I just went... I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Yeah. Alan, you're leaving now? Please. <laughs> um, and then at 10th level, you get inured to undeath. Uh, you have resistance to necromatic damage, and your hit point maximum can't be reduced, which I think is really cool. The whole concept behind that is that you understand how death works. Therefore, you cannot basically lessen your ability to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, which I think is a really cool trope for this kind of character right um at 14th level you get command on dead this is the really cool one this is what you do necromancy for in my opinion is to get to this point yep uh which is you use your magic to bring undead under your control even those that are controlled by other wizards which i think is pretty cool necromancer <laughs> against necromancer shall we say um as an action you can choose one undead that you can see within 60 feet of you uh that creature makes a charisma saving throw against your wizard spell save obviously uh if it succeeds you can't use this feature on it again if it fails it becomes friendly to you and obeys your commands until you use this feature again so i've read some arguments in the sense that it does it is permanent if they fail like or do you actually hold it true to this is permanent until the next time they use this on someone else like how True to the words, would you stay as a DM with a necromancer? I tend to go rules as written. Necromancers are powerful. Yeah. Yes. They're already powerful. I, I'm going to stay... Pretty true to it. Yeah. yeah. Down to the letter. Yeah, we're going to deviate on this one. Because I, I know you're, you're a lot deviant of... deviant enough, but... I know Jesus. a lot of people play necromancers, play these type of characters in order to have that army. They mm-hmm. want to have that swarm that precedes them wherever they go. Yeah. Um... As a pl- if I was DMing a player that was this, it would be fairly close to raw. But my if I'm running an uh, evil NPC wizard that has that is this level, yeah. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm he gets as many as he wants. Absolutely not. I'm not bogging down my map. 
I don't want all these undead running around. <laughs> yeah, how long does it take to get to a your turn when there's just four people sitting around a table yeah. with three enemies, right? That's the problem with the action economy here is, yeah, I can imbalance an entire encounter just by adding three more goblins to it. But you're also going to be sitting there for an extra 20 minutes yeah. during the battle. So. I, I, I don't know. Uh, there comes a point where you switch um, combat type. And I think with Necromancers, this is where it's really going to be uh, where where you start um, almost going siege and army uh, management. You show me where in the book it teaches you how to do that. It, Any book. It, it doesn't. Do we have an episode about it? Uh, yeah. There will be an episode. There will be. Yeah, it's coming. Stay tuned. But <laughs> but like having a necromancer standing back and just sending waves of undead at a city wall, or it takes a lot to do that. Though. But I'm not going to give it to them as an innate thing that they can do. You have a scepter that, when the moon is full on Friday the thirteenth, you can do this one big badass crazy thing, and they're sitting there watching the calendar, going, "Okay, okay, okay, okay." Today, yeah! today, rise, minions! <laughs> right, and then then I'm gonna do that. Yeah. yeah. But to say that they're just gonna sit there and raise every free, they're gonna they're gonna go corpse farming. Yep. Hey guys, I know that we're level seventeen, but can we just swing by a cobalt warren? Yeah, just I see that. Minute. I see a graveyard over there. I'm just gonna be right back. Yeah, just give me a sec. Yeah. And so, and that's my problem with it is this game is going to put everybody else in the back seat yeah. if they get an army of undead. Yeah, it's true. Well, that's why I would have it as an NPC, not necessarily as a player with a power like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the only thing that kind of helps it on the DM side is that technically, if you're an intelligent undead, it's harder to turn them, and they can save against it. So, like, let's say you have, like, an evil big bad guy who happens to be a necromancer and raises, like, his intelligent minions to fight. Like, it would be harder for you're, them to control. Your right? vampires and revenants exactly, and that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. It, it, it is a little bit more difficult, and they can save against it, so it's not permanent for them. <clears throat> yes, Dan? Just thinking of a necromancer walking up to a lich going, <laughs> you're mine now, and the lich just botching that role. Oh, man. Could you imagine? But they can save against it, though. Every round. I don't know, man. It doesn't sound like much of a lich. It sounds like a like a bit of lich to me. Stop it. What's <laughs> up? So. I hate everything about that. Um, but yeah, me too. That is the necromancer in a nutshell, shall we say? What was that, Dan? Sorry, just watched Austin Powers. <laughs> no, look at me. It's me in a nutshell. Yes. Oh, you yeah, know it. what movie I hate? Austin Powers. Really? I really? fucking hate that movie series. And Why? I will get aggressive about it. Is it because what? you have taste? <sighs> <laughs> Thank you, Adam. <laughs> like, they are not good movies. I was 14 when the first one came out. That was like down my fucking alley. That's all, that was my sense of humor. Yeah. And then as they continued to come out, they just got dumber and dumber. Oh, this one is fat and shit jokes. Oh, and the third one is about gold penises. Let's, let's laugh. It so did not I, age well. No, and I really, really grew out of that comedy. It's like its fan base got older, but the humor got younger. Yeah, I just keep thinking about my parents being my age watching it and then just being like, what the fuck am I letting my kids watch? But they thought it was hilarious back then. So I'm like, what? What? To me, that's Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, really? Yeah, I cannot stand that movie. (laughs) I love it. I'm like, why why is this funny? This kid is just awkward as shit. I think it's because I project a lot onto him. I'm like, yeah, no, that was me in high school. Shit, okay, fuck. And that's why everyone else is laughing so hard, Dan. Yeah. yeah. Mm, this is why we're friends. Adam, you're next. Um, uh, so I got the School of Enchantment. And uh, I love me some enchantment. Enchantment wizards are all about 
controlling other people's minds. This is the idea of enchanting and charming and wonder. And by the way, I, before I get started, when it says the word charm in the description of a spell, it does not mean the charmed effect. You charm someone and get them to do this and this and this. That's not the charmed effect itself. However, there are some creatures that cannot be charmed. It says in their, their flavor description. So they won't be affected. But others that don't say that in the flavor description but have the charmed effect under the condition immunities would still be affected by it. Like, this is another one of these, like, poison, poisoned, poisons. Yeah. Poor wordings that, that's yeah. in here. Right? And so you need to talk with your DM about what is charm. Are you running it like anytime you see that word, that's what it means? Because you're going to be pretty limited if that's the case. Yeah. So um, most of them um, are peacemakers. They want to stop violence. They want to keep things from from popping off. That's where you get a lot of your friends and calm emotions, mm-hmm. those kind of spells. But there are definitely some of them that go out of their way to be controlling and and manipulative and whatnot i'm thinking of what ka the snake from uh jungle book yeah mm. right would have been an enchantment wizard so you get enchantment savant like every one of the classes that we've had or the subclasses so far Almost. has had this savant so far yeah has had this savant given where uh, at second level you have the golden time that you would spend a copy you know from this class mm-hmm. or from this uh this school over so at second level, you get Hypnotic Gaze, which is um, a parade that happens downtown all the time and you just can't look away. It's amazing. <laughs> I think I think the spelling might have tricked you a little bit. Oh. We're going to look into that again. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, starting at second level, when you choose this school, you are Soft Words and Enchanting Gaze. Right. With a Z. Right. Yeah. Um, can magically enthrall another creature. So, as an action, you choose one creature that you can see within five feet of you. So if it's beside you, uh, and then if they can see or hear you, they've got to succeed on a wisdom save or be charmed by you until the end of your next turn. The charmed creature's speed drops to zero and the creature's incapacitated and visibly dazed. Yikes. Wow. On subsequent turns, you can use your action to maintain this effect, extending its duration until the end of your next turn. However, the effect ends if you move more than five feet away from the creature. If the creature can e- can neither see nor hear you, or if they take damage. At second level? Yep. And once this effect ends, or the creature, or if the creature succeeds on its initial saving throw against the effect, you can't use this feature on that creature until you finish a long rest. This is Poison Ivy. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's cool. I don't think it's unbalanced, because it basically removes your wizard from the combat as well, other than bonus actions. See, I'm not even doing this in combat. I'm this just would be your chatting and your controlling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is me saying, "Come, no, come over here. Come with me. This will be fine, right?" And all they do, their speed drops to zero, and they're incapacitated and visibly dazed. So you have to stand beside them, and you have to use your action to maintain it. But if you have bonus actions, and there are some, you can very much. This is, this is how I calm down an NPC that's freaking out in a combat. Yeah. This is how I'm going to just get that that shopkeeper to just chill out, stand here, look at me, ignore the rogue, look at me. Yeah. Right? And so, meanwhile, the rogue is just filling up his pockets full of full of gold and wares and whatnot, right? So. Yeah. Also, imagine like a courtier 
like yeah. type interaction where you have to be like political like this you can control someone that you would like to not speak during a yeah. conversation right oh this it's is gonna shut barbarian. up the, yeah i was gonna say it's gonna yeah. shut up the barbarian in a heartbeat and it's a wisdom save too so you're even gonna be able to shut up the lawful stupid paladin as well just be like no this is wrong shh 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 okay guys you do how your dare thing. you look at me when you say that <laughs> <laughs> uh at sixth level you get instinctive charm so when a creature you can see within 30 feet of you makes an attack roll against you, you can, you're, you can use your reaction to divert the attack, provided another creature is within the attack's range. So, again, if someone within 30 feet of you makes an attack roll against you, that can be spells. So yeah, so spells are included. It's yeah. not like it's melee attack or something like that. It's just an attack of some kind. And it, Yeah, and it could be ranged. They're shooting a bow at you. Yeah. You can... <laughs> You can make them make a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC. And on a fail save, the attacker must target another, the closest creature to it, not including you or itself. Hmm. I think that's, that would be hilarious to role play. The, the barbarian just keeps getting these extra hits. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and it's just like deflecting everything to this one character because it knows it can handle it, right? Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. I like it. So, um, would what's what's the spell where there's a defensive spell that you can put up, Dan, where other people can't attack you? Mirror image? No, no, no. Like they're, they sanctuary. Is it sanctuary where they can't attack you? How? Which one wins on this? When you're DMing this, let's say the barbarian runs up against the evil necromancer, and uh, and the necromancer has sanctuary up, mm-hmm. right? And so they can't. Physically attack this guy. Sanctuary is also a divine. Spell okay, fine. Well, but... The evil cleric. Yeah. Okay, and so so the enchantment wizard walks up behind the barbarian and goes, "No, no, it's okay. Hit me." And the barbarian says, "Fine," and goes to swing. And the, enchant- the enchantment wizard goes, "No, no, no, hit him instead." Would that surpass sanctuary? This is part of the problem of fifth edition, where these situations can come up quite. This easily. is just D and D in general. It's all D and D in general. Honestly, I would say... I would do a wisdom roll-off. No, no, no. I wouldn't even do that. I would say <laughs> this supersedes Sanctuary because the intention is not to actually hit the person that has Sanctuary cast on them. It is very much a deflection of the attack, not a direct targeting of the attack. No, so, it's specifically that they've got, to, they've got to target someone else. Because if multiple creatures are closest, the attacker chooses which one to target. The attacker chooses. So, then, so then, this is more of you going, no, 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 you would rather hit that guy. Uh, then he would have to roll the save for Sanctuary. Sanctuary okay. would win. Okay. Um, on a successful save, you can't use this feature again uh, until you finish a long rest against this attacker. You must choose to use this feature before knowing whether or not the attack hits or misses, which is pretty standard. Yeah. 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 Um, at 10th level, you get split enchantment, which means when you cast an enchantment spell of first level or higher that targets only one creature, you can have a target a second creature. This is powerful. I love it. And at 10th level, that, that feels right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then at 14th, you get Alter Memories. This one, is, this one is my favorite. At 14th level, you gain the ability to make a creature unaware of your magical influence on it. When you cast an enchantment spell to charm one or more creatures, you can alter one creature's understanding so that it remains unaware of being charmed. Additionally, once before the spell expires, you can use your action to try to make the chosen creature forget some of the time it spent charmed. The creature must succeed on an intelligence saving throw against your spell save DC, oh, oh. or lose a number of hours 
of its memory oh. equal to one plus your charisma modifier, which is going to be probably two or three. Like you're as as uh, well it, as a enchantment wizard, you've got charisma. I don't need charisma as an enchantment wizard. I've got all these charm spells. Fuck that! I'm pumping it into con and dex. I don't know. I I would still say because uh, an enchantment wizard to me feels like the one who kind of wants to talk their way through a room and will. But like, I have the magic to back that up. I don't need to be a bard. But if you run out of the magic, they're still going to have to have. At fourteenth level, I'm not running out of magic. Not for social scenarios. I was gonna say I was gonna say that this is more of a social scenario. Yeah, I guess that's use true. like I, the, it's not really you would not use this in battle technically in my mind. This no. is definitely more of a you're in an interaction. You want something Although, to happen. It would be hilarious to be in the middle of a fight with the big bad guy and be like, "All right, I'm gonna do this," and then they just forget where they are <laughs> for a moment. Sword. Yeah, they forget uh, how to fight. <laughs> that's when you turn to the DM and say, "Please, please, please, advantage for the next hit." Yeah, right, because this guy doesn't know where he is. All of a sudden, the the crazy warlord just kind of stops. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was just in the bathroom. <laughs> Why did I walk in this room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, this, yeah, this to me is... Really, you would put charisma on top of this? You're wasting all of those skills. No, I would definitely put charisma on top of this. I'm never going to use persuade. I'm never going to use... The, the in- thing is, intimidate. like... Intimidate. Um, the the charmed condition uh, gives you advantage on those uh, um, those social skills. Doesn't make them auto passes. Gives you advantage. So yeah, you're but- still going to need to have the ability to use those skills. And relying on if if you don't have a high charisma and you don't have the skill points in it, then you're kind of relying on the fact that you have the advantage, which, yes, is powerful and is my favorite part about 5th edition. But if I'm playing an enchantment wizard, I'm playing someone who not only has a moderate charisma. I mean, he's not outpacing the bard or the paladin. Um, or the warlock. Or, or the, the warlock sorcerer. or the sorcerer, right? But an enchantment wizard could be the face of the party, and I don't see why... Yeah, I would say that it depends on the type of game that you're playing. If you are playing more of like a courtier, political kind of game where you're going to have more social interactions, I would probably remain pump more charisma into it because you're going to need that for the saves, all that kind of stuff. But if you're building it to still be able to fight, then you would definitely prioritize something else. See, uh, okay, I've got a unique build I was about to get into. We'll talk about it later. But the uh, I, I would really, I would not do this. If I want to go combat, I'm I'm not going anywhere near charisma. The charisma yeah. will take care of itself. The enchantment wizard that I'm using is going to be like, hey, no, don't hit me. Yeah. Go hit that guy instead. Wouldn't it be better if you went and counted all of the rocks on the beach? Right? And just like, just, <laughs> I'm sending people away. Get out of my way. I don't care. Right? And I don't need charisma saves or checks to do that. Right? So, I don't know if, if I'm relying on my intelligence on this. Yeah. <laughs> It does feel like charisma should be your casting stat yeah. for this. And that's, I mean, I might even homebrew that. Use use charisma instead of intelligence for uh, your wizard. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, this is your, and I realize I'm arguing against myself at this point. Um, this is your bookish wizard. This is a, let's get, a, not pass over the fact that this is an intelligence caster. Um, because they sit there and they study and they go. So this guy is the guy who, uh, I don't know. Watches like pickup artist YouTube channels, uh, you know, for like the creepy bend on this guy. Like, I, I, he I, wants I, to know how to talk to people to get to manipulate them. It's Chris Angel. 
Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I, I'm going to take that a step further. And or a I, politician. I, I cannot quote my sources on this, but I distinctly remember seeing many cartoons and stuff when I was a kid where there would be, you know, superheroes, so on and so forth. And there's that one guy who is like the greasy looking guy covered in pimples or whatever that everybody just loves for one episode. And you're like, why? What is this about? Right. And it's because he's enchanted them somehow. There's mind control involved. Right. I look at, um, they did that in an episode of Buffy where, where little nerdy Jonathan was running around as yeah. the king of the school. That guy had negative charisma stats. No, right? I and get so it. that's yeah. where I'm coming from with the, the idea that you don't need charisma. Because you have the spells to back it up. You got the spells to yeah. do that instead. So put it into other things. Maybe you could just have the strangely high wisdom <laughs> wizard, which has never happened ever and again. How strange would that be? Yeah, right. Wizards don't need common sense. That's crazy. The wizard that sits there and goes, <laughs> That's an this is a bad idea. Detriment. I should not do this. No. <laughs> it's an occupational detriment. That's yeah. what I was meant. All right. What do you got, Dan? All right. Uh, so uh, at this point, we have covered every single school in the uh, player's handbook. That is correct. Um, well, for wizards. For wizards. Um, so I'm going to introduce a concept that I um, really wish they would expound on further with additional... Um, releases and expansions and, and other books that come out. But this is a hybrid uh, spellcasting class that is found in Xanathar's, and it is War Magic, which is a hybrid of evocation and abjuration. Um, war Magic and a War Mage, um, they understand that devoting themselves fully to evocation just means they're glass cannons, and it, uh, devoting themselves fully to abjuration means that they're protected, but they are useless as a, com a combative force on a battlefield. So they are going to kind of go down the direction of both, very much with being the chief strategist and main wizard of a battlefield in mind. Um, a war mage uh, has several different options available to them um, that all compound into this idea that they are tactical geniuses and they blend the the power of evocation and the protection of abjuration. So uh, at second level, uh, you get arcane deflection, where you've learned to weave uh, your magic to fortify yourself. Uh, whenever you're hit by an attack or you fail a saving throw, you can use your reaction to gain plus two to your AC um, against that attack or a plus four to that saving throw. Um, specifically that attack and specifically that saving throw. Um, when you use this feature, you can't cast spells other than cantrips until the end of your next turn. This is a reaction? It's a reaction. Oh, that's weird. Uh, yeah, I don't... There's spells that do the same thing. Yep, and it would stack with this. It would stack, yeah. Because I would say it would stack with this, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're having to have that once a turn um, plus four to a saving throw... And then on your next turn, you're casting cantrips, which whatever your your cantrips are powerful enough as it is. Depending what you choose. Depending on what you choose, right? And there's yeah. also a bunch of bonus action options open to you still. Not convinced. Um, <laughs> I have played a war mage. This was incredibly powerful. This saved his skin more often than not. Mm. Um, at second level, you also get tactical wit, um, which is where you get to add your intelligence modifier to initiative rolls. Yeah, okay, that makes sense to That's me. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that this is a bad idea. Yeah, I understand this battle map, and it's not going very well, so I'm going to go first. <laughs> yes. Thank yeah. you, yes. Yeah. 
Um, at 6th level, you get Power Surge, and a lot of your War Wizard abilities are going to focus around your Power Surge ability. Um, you can store a maximum number of Power Surges equal to your Intelligence modifier. Whenever you finish a long rest, you uh, your number of Power Surges resets to 1. Okay? So you always have at least that 1. Um, whenever you successfully end a spell with Dispel Magic or Counterspell... You gain power surges. So you're absorbing. You're spells. absorbing yeah. spells. Sure. Um, yeah. It, the way it says, as you steal magic from the spell, you foiled. Um, if you end a short rest with no additional power surges, you then gain one power surge. Now, once per turn, when you deal damage to a creature or object with a wizard spell, you can spend your power surges to deal force damage equal to half your wizard level. All right. It's fairly weak at 6th level. Yeah, but, I mean, and it's never going to be super powerful. An additional 10 at level 20. Yeah. Also, Dispel Magic is a 2nd level spell. Uh, Counterspell is a 3rd level spell. Like, these are a bit costly to use here. I feel like this is just a boon. Like, if you're going to use these spells anyway, which you probably will, you're in battle, Mm -hmm. then it's not going to hurt so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at 10th level, you get Durable Magic, um, where if you are maintaining concentration on, on a spell, you get plus two bonus to AC and all saving throws. Period. That's pretty cool. Like, you buff yourself so that you can concentrate on something, which is nice. Yeah. At, at what level? 10th. This seems late for a Warcaster. Yeah, I feel like it should be. this should be your 6th level one. This could even be your, your second level one. Like, yeah. I'm okay with this coming in earlier just because you are supposed to be in battle. Yeah. Do this instead of the uh, um, Arcane Deflection. Yeah, and then just I would just make the arcane deflection a little bit more powerful and stick it in tenth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I mean you're not getting any of the regular bonuses you get from picking a school. Yeah. So makes sense. Yeah. Um that actually brings up an interesting question. Uh if you are concentrating as a spell on sorry, if you are concentrating on a spell and you use your arcane deflection, which removes your ability to cast a spell the next turn, do you lose concentration on the spell? No, because the spell's already cast. You have already cast the spell. You have used the action to cast it. Okay, cool. You're just thinking very hard on the fact that it's still there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, At 14th level, your Arcane Deflection becomes infused with Deadly Magic. When you use your Arcane Deflection feature, um, you can cause magical energy to arc from you. Up to three creatures uh, of your choice that you can see within 60 feet of you take uh, each take force damage equal to half your wizard level. Meh. Yeah, and that's your 14th level. That's your capstone. Equal to half your wizard level. So, 7 to 10. Yeah. However, that's like... How often can you can you knock that one out? Um, whenever you use your arcane deflection feature. So, this is as a reaction. So, not only are you deflecting that damage coming at you... You are targeting multiple tre- creatures and dealing... Uh, this feels, feels more like, like a... Like a like a static electricity force field. Yeah, bubble around you. Yeah, yeah. So something hits it and it just a Yeah. And you spark. Yeah, I like that well enough. Again. Flavorful. It's it's flavorful. I yeah. think that's why I like it's it. It's flavorful, but it is a bit weak. Yeah. Um the the big thing I get from the War Wizard is that it is flavorful but a bit weak. Note you don't get the savants from all of the other schools. You you 
Yeah, but let's be honest, it's not really that important. Yeah, as I said from the beginning when I was going over mine, like, it's not often that you'll sit there and be like, I'm sorry, but it's only been eight hours, you can only do one, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of retcon that stuff anyways. Yeah. So, no, I kind of like this one being as flavorful as it is, because anyone who's playing a wizard and you think that you're going to die in the first ten minutes if you get hit by something, this is the one that you legitimately don't necessarily have to worry if they... As a paladin, you don't necessarily have to stand beside them. Yeah. I like this for multi-classing into things like Eldritch Knight and yeah. Arcane Trickster as well. This is going to beef your weird half-caster subclasses. Yeah. So this, to me, feels like I'm taking a dip to 10th level. I'm probably not wasting four more to get that little fizzle. Yeah. Right? But to 10th level, to get that big extra boon, I, I, I may do that with... I, I especially like these guys because um, it they, they don't hide the fact that um, with a lot of these wizard school abilities, there's not a lot of these things can often get forgotten. A lot of these abilities can often get forgotten. You will use all of these abilities as a war mage. What's interesting I, is that there's nothing in there that isn't combat related. Yeah. Well, it is well, a war. Yes and no. I mean, you could say the power surge and being and and having an additional benefit from dispel magic, which often, in my mind, happens outside of combat more than it happens inside of combat. Sure, but it's it's the counter spell that I'm focusing on. Yeah, right? that you're going to use that more than dispel magic, or uh, most people will anyway. So yeah, um, but yeah. this is the wizard that focuses more on um, their actual spell and their stock wizard features. And then are uh, enhanced by their uh, school rather than these other ones from the player's handbook, which seems to be the focus of the wizard are these abilities. You pick spells because you picked this. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Where this one, you're not really rewarded for having specific spells other than counterspell and dispel magic. Yeah. Sure. So. Makes sense. Uh, that's, that's all we have for the uh, subclasses today, guys. So we're going to move on to a commercial and then we're going to talk about... Um, a fun little thing Adam and I have been talking about for a while now. Hello, everybody. You guys know me as Coffee Bitch Dave. You've heard me on quite a few episodes at this point, as well as the Call of Cthulhu miniseries. Uh, I'm hijacking this commercial spot right now just to let you guys know a little bit about the campaign builder. Adam and Dan are super into this, and they've done a really good job at not just helping you with the three pillars of, of D&D, but almost that fourth unknown one, and that's the transition between them. It really helps you learn a little bit more and keep your players engaged, which is one thing that I've found can be kind of hard. It's that downtime between exploration, role-playing, and combat, and they do a great job. Anyways, guys, check it out. You guys will like it. Go do it now. I mean, maybe not right now because you're listening to another episode, but like when you're done, go to that now. Do it. Do it. Do it. And now back to the episode. Okay, guys, welcome back. Um, so we have broken down all of the subclasses, and now we get to talk about one of the um, joys in my life, and that is discussing evil wizards with Adam. <laughs> um, Yay! Uh, mostly because there are times Adam, I am fairly certain, is an evil wizard. Um, but at also... Oh, sorry, he's not an evil wizard? No, oh. no. Uh, I, Fooled me. Adam gives and takes away. That's 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 what I've learned. Giveth and yeah, taketh yeah. away. Um, All the world in balance, Dan. <laughs> Creepy. So if you guys have noticed with this um, 
episode with the subclasses we chose for this episode. We've got Enchantment, we've got Necromancy, we've got War Magic. These are the three that could lend very easily into playing evil wizards. Are there any others that come to your mind as ones? Let's roll dice and and move on. And then I want to talk about actually playing evil wizards and as a DM and as a player. So, um, which wizarding schools are inherently evil? Got a nine. Five. Sixteen. The most evil school by far is one hundred percent the one I talked about. Enchantment. Yes, oh. I agree. Yes, absolutely. The ability to mind control people. If Look, I can walk over and I can deface a grave. I can I can make prank phone calls from someone that you think is dead and that's going to bother you. I roofie you. That's evil. And that's what an enchantment wizard does. Just like left, right, and said. It's not for quite the nefarious reasons that's applied with, yeah, with that. But, but the idea of just taking away your free will is horrifying. Yeah. So that is by far the most evil. And the fact that necromancy gets all of the healing spells, or at least most of them, means that it's not the big, scary, evil bastard that you... Th- Doctors are necromancers, right? Yeah. If so you were going to pick one of the wizard classes, it would be... Kevorkian. <laughs> That's not a wizard. Okay. All right, then. <laughs> no, um, honestly, for me, I'm going to say that uh, transmutation is definitely evil. They really, really dig into it in Eberron. And, of course, I've done the deep dive with them. Yeah, yeah for the, sure. Touring the multiverse. Where they get into the idea that they, the transmutation wizards in that world are, are warping reality to create new monsters and to, um, to shift and change and warp the way that the natural world is. Mm. And they've got um, these super aberrations called the Delkir, which are... Uh, beings of pure madness and and they're they look like people but they're so freaking evil and all they do is they warp and change and they add they add symbionts to you that you cannot uh unattune from and stuff like it's crazy what these guys can do yeah and they're so evil so i love the idea of of you walking up as a transportation wizard saying hey you know what you are a frog permanently for the rest of your life i have inherently changed who and what you are. Yeah. Polymorph is insidious. Especially true polymorph if you cast it every day for a year and it becomes permanent. Right? Boom. Which is how polymorph works, right? If you... Yeah. yeah. Or any spell, really. If you cast it every day on the same subject for a year, it becomes permanent. So you can cast light on the same object for 365 days in a row and now it glows forever. What? Cool. Right, and so that's that's a thing in D and D. Nobody ever thinks about doing that. But now, when you think about transmutation, you're breaking the laws of nature right. with that, and that's that's way worse to me than hey, you know what? The paladin died. We're gonna bring him back. Yeah. Right. Um, for me, uh, that sounds like too much work. I'm not surprised, you lazy asshole. Um, so the idea of illusion magic being able to do all of that and uh, <laughs> with far less work. Um, yes, the permanency, I guess, is is less there. But um, being able to uh, cause absolute discord by throwing up a wall or 
or making a small illusion of a uh, um, letter confessing a tryst with a devoted family man or something like there are some really twisted evil things you could do with illusion magic and it is all about obfuscation and hiding the truth of things it is inherently evil because of that um i would say that i mean we've covered uh necromancy i would say does lend itself just because of its uh history to evil but i agree with you adam I don't see it being inherently evil. Not like it. Not like it has been. Not like it has been. No, it's just um, been given a bad trope because it, what you animate is inherently "quote unquote" evil. Yeah, but yeah. zombies well, are scary. Well, yeah. you look at the previous editions, and the good evil side of things wasn't so much about selfishness as much as it was sanctity of life. Yeah. So that's when they were. You are you are perverting life by creating undeath. So I could see why they were more evil then. But that, that's why I'm making the argument for for transmutation. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. that's perverting life. And and enchantment is perverting free will. And you're saying illusion too. See, everything you're talking about with illusion. Oh, there's this letter that I've created. That, sure. Yeah, but I'm an enchantment wizard. I can make you think there was one. I didn't have to make one. Yeah. Right? Oh, <laughs> I could do the same thing, but with yeah. less effort. Uh, yeah. So I was going to say illusionary magic as well, just because of the mind fuckery, but my, I love the example that it actually gives right in the book. Okay. You make them believe there's a bridge there and they walk off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it doesn't necessarily well, have it, to it be. It get bad. Yeah. <laughs> so you could do this, like in my mind, this is, if you had an illusionary wizard who is a big bad evil guy, or even a character that was playing in a game, this would be a game you'd want to have sanity saves for because you're making them legitimately see things they believe are real. So you can actually play into the fears of your characters. There are thousands of spiders in front of you. You can, like, it, it just, again, the evil like, is the mind fuckery. The, 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 the illusion wizard uh, who is evil is the one who goes, oh, I, I'm, I wonder what you would do if you saw your children getting flayed in front of you. Let's see. Let's find out. Yeah. Like, right now. Let's just do that right Let's now. Let's find yeah. your breaking point. Yeah, but as the, as the enchantment wizard, I'm like, hey... You don't remember the last three hours of your life. And by the way, your children were flayed and you watched it. Enjoy. Have fun with that. See you later. Yeah, bye. Yeah. yeah. And that's Sandy saved. Yeah. And that doesn't go away when somebody touches it. That shit sticks. Well, I, the thing is, if no one interacts with the illusion, I don't see why the memory of it would still not have a lasting effect. There's still trauma involved with the illusion. Just knowing that it was just an image doesn't help. I, I don't know, man. As someone who has watched enough gore and shit on TV, I know that's fake. And even the stuff that traumatized me when I was a kid, you know, you watch a scary movie up late at night, doesn't haunt me like the actual physical horrors that I have seen in real life. Your brain works different than mine. I think we've established that over, what, yeah. 90 episodes like, of this, this fucking podcast? This is not what this episode of, we could do an episode about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, about how different your brains work, but... The psychology <laughs> hour with Megan. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about this. <laughs> so so we, we, we have an idea of which class... I mean, can we just agree? Evocation isn't inherently evil. It's destructive, but it's not inherently evil. Well, I mean, it is destructive. I mean, it's not based on creation. Let's So hold on. So let's let's go through them. Divination? Divination. Uh, it could be. It could be used for evil, but I don't see it as necessarily being evil. It's creepy. 
it can be creepy when you are scrying on people. Like, look, yeah, you're essentially installing. Yeah, you're you're installing toilet cams with your brain, but all over yeah. the entire world from someone you just looked at walking down the street. Abjuration is is it's about, protective. It's protective. Conjuration is, hey, look, I made a paddle. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can the conjuration is also like summoning demons from the other world to wreak havoc, right? Like they're yeah, but it really depends. You can also summon elementals, which are neutral, or fey, which are just annoying. Yeah. But um, I don't know. There are. I want to talk about blade singing, but we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> blade singing is just lame. That's all it is. Um, when, so hold on, what do we miss? There was we got abjuration, we got div- illusion, divination, evocation, I think that's it. Yeah. conjuration, uh, enchantment. Uh, I think we and necromancy. Yeah, we've got yeah, we've got them all. That's them. And uh, war magic. It war magic to me is just. War magic is actually what your argument of evocation was. Like, it's destructive, but it's it's halfway between, because of the, all of the deflection stuff, it feels yeah. halfway between abjuration for yourself. Well, that's very specifically what it is. Yeah, and and actual, like, evocation, because you're doing all this force damage to other people. But there's also nothing stopping an evocation wizard from taking mage armor. Right? There's... And yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Right? So, I like... I don't know. Evocation to me is you want to blow shit up. And the evocation wizards are the ones that are like, I'm going to just break people's brains by exploding a fireball in their eye socket. Yeah, right? I imagine like, like the, the evocation is, is that, and then the war magic is the, but I also understand how the battlefield works, so I'm going to do it to my advantage. Honestly, uh, I think the spell that came out, I think it's in Xanathar's Pyrotechnics, is one of the best spells that has come out recently because it is what I want every evocation wizard to take. Because it, it, it is fairly mundane. It doesn't do a lot of damage. It is an evocation spell. But you are creating like sparks and flares and smoke and noise and, and all that. And like it would be my go-to spell as a war mage for that reason. Where it is it is there to confound. It is there to um, distract. Yeah. I. It does do some damage. It's got some like... It's basically you're lighting off fireworks, right? But... I look at it also from the standpoint of the fact you have to research this shit in a library for years. And so there are there are the kind of people that would sit down and say, I want to be really good at fighting. And I want to be able to control a battlefield. I'm going to protect myself. That's a war mage. And then there's a guy that's like, I wonder what would happen if, a, if you know, a tiefling was just struck by lightning. What happens if I throw this hamster in the microwave? What happens to yeah, their body? That's the evocation wizard, yeah. right? So when you... This gets far more insidious when you stop to think that these guys have to study for hours on it. I think so, what I think what we're trying to say is a lot of them easily lend themselves to being evil, but at the same time, a good transmutationist trying to save its friend from a curse, or a good evocationist uh, sitting there protecting a village with powerful spells because he was raised in a land held under tyrannical rule. Yeah. Right. Like. There are certain things you could do with these with these things. Even the necromancer, even the enchanter. Like the enchanter just I have a friend who's a bard and I wanted to do what he did, but I don't have as Adam would say, I didn't have the natural ability to do it, so I just learned the spells. I figured it out. Right? Yeah. It's not evil. It's a I mean, rethink your life, but it's not evil. <laughs> right? Um so there there's a little bit to both here, but um we can agree that even though the 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 subclasses themselves could kind of lend their way either way, some spells 
that we have seen are absolutely insidious. Yes, absolutely. Um, so let's let's grab our dice again here. Um, what in your mind are uh, is the most insidious spell available to a wizard? Got a ten. Oh, four. I got a nine. What do you got, Dan? Modify memory. Okay. Uh, for everything that the enchantment wizard had at the end of it, um, with their fourteenth ability, uh, modify memory is that just a little better? Um, it's you can make someone remember whatever the hell you want in vivid detail, and they take it as gospel truth. It's um, absolutely terrifying, absolutely insidious. Um, if I was to choose like a lower level spell, because modify memory is like seventh level, sixth le- like eighth level, it, it's yeah. it's yeah. It, in that higher tier. Chill touch, it's fucking creepy as hell, and it is inherently and it evil. has nothing to do with ice. It has nothing to do with ice, but <laughs> you summon a little skeletal hand to attach to something, and in it makes my head them cups. Oh, and it makes them yeah. heal less. <laughs> There's not a lot of spells that say you you heal half the amount of hit points. Yeah. But this cantrip can make you do it. Yep. Right? Like yeah. it's I I get all sorts of no feelings from chill touch and modify memory is one of those spells that is never in my games because woof the the things that are available to people when they have that. So what I'm getting from this is that you appreciate a warm touch, Dan? Does yeah. it, it does also cut. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But but beforehand I <sighs> yeah, yeah you don't need no I'll just warm it up for you <laughs> no I'm gonna hold my action Megan what what's yours <laughs> you're holding your action yeah. okay I'd uh, rather you hold your action than other things <laughs> with the cupping motion um I chose imprisonment um yep I think it's pretty pretty crazy like don't get me wrong it's a ninth level spell you're you're getting this yeah. at the end but still it's pretty crazy right what does it do. Um, so you create a magical restraint to hold a creature that you can see within range and it kind of freezes them in place basically. So they don't have to eat, sleep, breathe, anything. You're basically just stopping their existence for a hot second. And then they have a bunch of different flavored areas, like ways of making it, you do it like heavy chains or their burials or, um, hedged prison, which I think I just imagine being surrounded by trees. Um, you're stuck in a labyrinth. Yeah. That's what I see that. Uh, well, I, I picture the end of the shining. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So I just think it's, a, it's a, we were talked about how like the evil spells are the ones that are really good with mind fuckery, and I feel like this one you really can do, and I can just imagine the big, big bat, and you just surround them with hedges, and that's the end of it, and then they go crazy, and they die in this fake labyrinth that you yeah. created for them, right? It's just a weird... I really like it. Yeah. I just, I was reading it, and I'm like, why? And in my mind, I'm like, I've never played a wizard in my life, but if I do and I get to that point, this is one that I would want to take for the flavor purpose behind it, right? Yeah. So, or if you just have the barbarian and want to torture him for a little while because he's being annoying as all hell, you just lock him in a thing of chains. Yeah, go, or just send, just put him in the labyrinth. Go for a walk, man. Walk it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, your barbarian would hate you. But then there's also, like, just the simple ones, like, and I say simple ones, but, like, finger of death. And like things like that, where you could just like, or it's power word kill wizard, or is that yeah, that's wizard yeah. wizard as well, right? Those ones that are just like the, insta deaths. I, I yeah, I mean, I I, I get that. Um, the prolonged suffering I feel is far more evil. Satisfying. Than, okay, all right, hold on. I'm gonna cut you off because I've been obsessing about this question for like two weeks. Yeah, it has been freaking me out. This about what is the quote unquote most evil spell. And I came up with my list of 15. Okay. Most, oh, of course you did. Yeah. So, so 
bear with me on this. Megan, you already said imprisonment, and that was on the list. Boom. And uh, finger of death is as well. Yeah. Which is um, a different than cup. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay yeah. It's a singular finger, that, that, less cuppage. Yeah. That's palm <laughs> of death. So. <laughs> <laughs> the way of the open palm day. So. Oh god. Anyway, so bear with me. I'm not going to get into all of the all of the mechanics for it, but I want to run through my list really quickly okay. because. Uh, and I just want to hear, do you, do you agree, is this evil? Would an evil wizard have this? Okay, okay. yeah, go All ahead. All right, because I couldn't, I couldn't pick one. Yeah, let's do this. From Xanathar's, um, the Horrid Wilting. You draw the moisture from every creature in a 30-foot cube centered on a point that you choose within range, and each creature must make a con save, and co- constructs of undead aren't affected. You essentially, it's 12d8 necrotic damage, oh, as you whoa! suck the moisture out of them. I picture you raising a fist... Or raising an open hand, closing a fist, and just like sucking moisture and sweat out of their pores yeah. until they wilt. Evil? Yes. This is like... An, like this is eighth level. Yeah. I'm imagining like Ursula in her tomb where all like the dead like shriveled Shrivel bodies up. are yeah. like... Meh. Like that's what I'm imagining. <laughs> Which is odd because it's underwater. Yeah. Um, yeah, so evil. Plants and water elementals make the save with disadvantage. Yeah. Fair enough. Um... <laughs> I, I like the visual of like you pulling all of the fluid out of them, out of the creature, and it just hovering in front of them and then drops and splashes uselessly on the ground. Yeah. This is how like, you scare the barbarian into yeah. behaving. You're yeah. like, I'm sorry, just like suck everything out of there. Oh, if you were <laughs> using this to scare your barbarian into behaving, I certainly hope there's been at least 12 more steps. Before you've gotten to this, like, oh, most, <laughs> most barbarians are in a twelve-step program. Yeah, that's yes, fair. Fair enough. Okay, uh, my next one is. And bear with me. This is a little unusual. Awaken. Uh, do you have the invert? Uh, okay, I. Cool. Yeah. Oh, where uh, awaken is when you give sentience to an object. Oh. Oh so, no. So yeah. He doesn't understand what uh, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nope. That would be terrible. So isn't that like, and I feel like people are doing that all the time. Hey, I want a little like sidekick. Remember Dan had an awakened shrub sidekick for a little while. And like, can you imagine what it would be like to be the only one of your kind? And you know that you just need to like, I got to water myself tomorrow in order to live. I got to go stand out in front of the sun for a little bit. Yeah. Synthesis. This sucks. (laughs) I view other things would be terrible. Like an awakened toilet. Uh, Yeah. You you could get really dark with this, or you could just do like an awakened rock. That shit can't move, but it is sentient and it is still. It's okay. Hello. And it is aware of its own surroundings, but has no eyes or ears. At least I don't look like a skipping rock. <laughs> so, um, here's here's one. Dark star. This is from um, the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, which some of these are from, and yeah. it's fucking dark. Yeah, Matt Mercer is... Uh, he's, he's, he's a strange he's got a person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, eighth level evocation, okay? This spell creates a sphere centered on a point you choose within range. The sphere can have a radius of up to 40 feet. The area in the sphere is filled with magical darkness and crushing gravitational force. You suck so- everything into the middle, and it takes shit tons of damage. You summon a black hole. Pretty much. Cool. You drop a black hole in the middle of of your battlefield. Um, any creature that enters the spell's area for the first time has to make a con save. It's ten or eight d ten force damage. Yikes. Also, anything that's entirely inside the sphere is immune to thunder damage, and creatures are deafened while entirely inside it because sound does not move through this area. So that's you can't lot. even call for help. 
you enter darkness, and no one knows what's actually happening inside. Evil wizard spell. Also, it's difficult terrain. So 40-foot radius, so you are doing this even if you are able to move an away from it. 80-foot sphere. Well, no, 44, yeah, it's an 80-foot diameter, diameter sphere. sphere. Yeah. But even if you get sucked into the middle of it, it's difficult terrain. It's going to take you a couple of rounds to get out of it. That's huge. Wow. Eight, eighth level spell. Yeah, that's worth eight level. Yeah, I see that. But evil. Evil. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, no, I would say that one's not evil. You don't think so? That's a powerful evocation spell. I don't see that one as being in any Would this fall evil. under your destructive, but not necessarily yes. evil kind yeah. of thing? I view a, a good evocation wizard choosing this to control a battlefield. I am putting the idea of the fact that you are taking shit. You are being crushed down into nothing. This is not you getting stabbed through the heart and you're dead next round. This is you slowly getting crushed. And no one knows you're in there and you can't get out of it and you're blind and... And the fact that it's 8th level, somebody spent a lot of time learning this to be able to fuck people up like this. Yeah, I, I, I don't see this being an innately evil spell, unfortunately. I don't see good wizards looking this up. I do if they have a big, if they have a big fight that they're preparing for. I, I, I see a wizard having this one, like it, it's... How it, can I incapacitate the evil big bad guy? How can I incapacitate his army? Yeah. So that this party of adventurers could go take out... The the bad guy himself. Yeah, everybody right? stand this back. Let me take care of the little spell. things. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It still feels evil to me. It could be. It, but it, I kind it, of it, yeah. It could be, but I it it. it well, look, we say imprisonment is evil because you're trapped and you don't know where you are and you're yes, stuck. but for but for a long ass time, this is just a spell. Like this is how how it's long like is this? Like throwing a fireball at somebody. Uh, this will last up to a minute. For, so for a combat, right? Like. Okay, it's, well, hold on. That brings me to my next one, then. Delayed Blast Fireball. Mines! <laughs> Again, I, it's, it's for the same reason. Um, I view this as a great protection spell um, through offense with Delayed Blast Fireballs um, and, and the Black Hole Summon. So, for, for those of you that are listening that don't know, Delayed Blast Fireball is really just Fireball, except... It's on a timer. It's on a timer a before it goes off. Um I think this is insidious because there's a little pinprick of light, which is the giveaway on this. And if you cast this in the middle of a bright sunny field, they don't see this coming. I'm thinking about the landmines that yeah. were used in, you know, Southeast Asia. How long is delayed blast fireball? What's its possible? Like how long can it can yeah. it Sit last there. for? Um, yeah, uh, so it, it'll last for up to a minute, right? Yeah. Um, however. Its base damage is 12d6. If at the end of your turn the bead has not yet been detonated, the damage increases by 1d6. Oh. Wow. I, I, again, um, in a world with uh, tinkers and alchemists and artificers who could make law, I believe mining a battlefield is evil in any way, shape, or form. And the, the results you see in Africa and Southeast Asia with children having to spend the rest of their lives without a leg because of it, that is evil. Or a parent. Or a parent, yes. Yep. Um, delayed Blast Fireball ending after a minute is a humane version of that. Sure, but here's my thing about it is, if I'm going to have, let's say that I pick my evil wizard... And I'm playing. I'm the DM, and I'm going to put that up against you guys. I'm just going to put a room, rooms full of light. You never know 
when the next one is coming. But that is also, a level of paranoia. That is mind fuckery right but there. But it's also concentration, so you can only have one of them up at a time. Yeah, but as long as I'm out of your sight, if I'm just a little bit further ahead of you, I can cast it. You don't know when I've cast it, and it's coming. I, I, I don't I don't disagree with you where I think it could be evil and it could be insidious. It, I don't see this one as inherently being an evil spell. That's my opinion on that one. Okay, Megan? I kind of agree in the sense that I think the ones that are inherently evil, are, when you think of them, will only work for an evil wizard. This one, I feel, could work for either or. It can work for a, like a battle monger. It can work for sure. anyone. It can work for either or. All right. Demiplane. You create a shadowy door on a flat, solid surface that you can see within range. The door is large enough to allow medium creatures to pass through unhindered. When open, the door leads to a demiplane that appears to be an empty room 30 feet in each dimension made of wood or stone. When the spell ends, the door disappears, and any creatures or objects inside the demiplane remain trapped there, as the door also disappears from the other side. Evil. Each time you cast this spell, you can create a new demiplane or have a shadowy door connect to a demiplane you've created before. Additionally, if you know the nature and contents of a demiplane created by the casting of the spell by another creature, then you can connect to that demiplane. But the idea that you can say, hey, everybody, come in here. Right through this door. Yeah, it's creepy. There is no other reason to do it other than psychotic fuckery for somebody. Um, I could see it being... Well... You can get a rest out of it. You can get a rest out of it. Um, I view this as being... Evil in quotations. Like, you can use this for evil. But it's also... Uh, it's oddly masturbatory as well. Like, look at this world I made. Ha <laughs> ha! Um... Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like a pocket universe. That, yeah, but, it, just, but, it just reminds me of imprisonment, but more intentional. Like, it's, yes, yeah, yeah, and that's why it, it, for eighth level you get it earlier too. Right? That 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 needle is pointed more towards the evil side for me. Yeah. it's not buried, but it's 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 okay. Feeble mind, eighth level enchantment. Yes, you're lobotomizing things. Yeah, yeah, you blast the mind of a creature you can see within range, attempting to shatter its intellect and personality. Yeah, it takes forty six psychic damage and has to make a save, an intelligence save. On a failed save, its charisma score becomes one. It can't cast spells, activate magic items, understand language, or communicate in any intelligible way. It can identify its friends, follow them, and protect them. At the end of every 30 days, the creature can repeat its saving throw against yeah, the spell. Yeah, no, this, you are lobotomizing somebody. Yeah, you're destroying for a someone's month. life. Yeah. 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 Evil? Evil. 100, yeah, buried. Yeah. Flesh to stone. You attempt to return, or you attempt to turn one creature you can see within range into stone, and then a whole bunch of effects. You essentially petrify them and turn someone to freaking stone. Yeah. Evil. The successes and failures for this, because there's a bunch of different, like first you're restrained and then eventually you end up being petrified. The failures don't need to be in a row. So these are essentially death saves. Yeah. Evil Dan? Yeah. Imprisonment, we talked about. Yeah. Um, which was a lot of fun. Power word, pain. Yeah. Yeah, evil. Evil. There's no other reason to do it. You're torturing. You're evil. And also seventh level. Yeah. Yeah. And reality break. This is another one from Wildmount. You shatter the barriers between realities and timelines, thrusting a creature into turmoil and madness. The target must succeed on a wisdom save... Or it can't take reactions until the spell ends, which is up to a minute. The affected target must also roll on a d10 at the start of each of its turns. The number roll determines 
<laughs> which one of the effects on the following table. 1 to 2 is you see vision of the far realm. The target takes 60-12 psychic damage and is stunned. Then there's rending rift where the target has to make a deck save or take a ton of force damage. Wormhole, the target is teleported along with everything it is wearing and carrying up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space of your choice that you can see. So all of a sudden, off the cliff. Yeah. Uh, and chill of the dark void. 10d12 cold damage and is blinded till the end of the next turn. No, no. That's just a navigation spell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just another one of, like, it's a damage spell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Temporal Shunt. You target the targeting creature, which must succeed on a wisdom save or vanish, being thrown into another point of time, and causing the attack to miss or the spell to be wasted. At the start of its next turn, the target reappears where it was, or in the closest unoccupied space. It doesn't remember you casting the spell or being affected by it. So you're stealing six seconds of this thing's life. Mm. And it doesn't know it. Doesn't Th- say it. This, this is, if you, with protection, this is the Men in Black. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I... Neuralizer. Neuralizer, yeah. I don't know. I think this is just another, like, battlefield control one. The fact that yeah. it's not getting more insane or not really realizing what's happening to it. It's, it's, I feel like you're just utilizing your abilities at that point. What about Time Ravage? You target a creature you can see within range, putting its physical form through the devastation of rapid aging. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Evil. <laughs> yeah, okay. That one comes with damage, too. Um, 10d12 Necrotic. True Polymorph, which I talked about briefly yeah. earlier. Yeah. Um, and Weird. Drawing on the deepest fears of a group of creatures, you create illusory creatures in their minds, visible only to them. Each creature in a 30-foot radius sphere centered on the point of your choice must make a wisdom saving throw, otherwise they are frightened. You are literally making their their um, nightmares come to life for them. Yeah. Evil? Uh, yes. Yeah, because it fits into the illusionary fucking with their mind and utilizing their fears to your abilities, right? Yeah. yeah. And my last one is Zone of Truth. Is that evil? No. Really? Ask Jim Carrey in Liar Liar how it felt to not be able to lie. Uh, that is straight up fucking with free will. Uh, duration plus everything else. Like, the pain for uh, Jim Carrey was he couldn't lie for, uh, uh, for an extended period of time. I forget how long that period is. Uh, until like he week. learned his lesson. It yeah, was not- yeah, right? But Zone of Truth is like, if you walk into this area, you probably won't lie. Yeah, I feel like it's, like again, I think it's, it depends on how you use it. And I think because you can use it for good and evil, it's not inherently evil. Because I feel like the intent behind it is not to make the person you're questioning suffer, but to actually just gain information. Yeah. I, I have one more as well. well sure. Technically a couple. I mean, you didn't mention Magic Jar. If we're going to throw in in prison, you got to throw in magic Yeah, jar. trapping. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, soul cage is much the same. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's all the same conversation. Um, uh, Gase, I can't pronounce that word. Gish. Gish, yeah. Uh, Gish itself could be used Describe it for people because they don't I don't know what it. it is. You're just saying words. So Gish. Um, is a 5th level enchantment spell where you place a magical mana on a creature that you see within range, forcing it to carry out a service, um, or refrain from s- action or course of acti- activity as you decide. This lasts for a month. 
Um, if the creature can understand you, it must succeed on a saving throw or be charmed by you for the duration. While the creature is charmed by you, it takes 5d10 psychic damage each time it acts in a manner directly counter to your inst- uh, instructions. So do this thing. If you do anything else, you're taking psychic damage. Yeah. Um, Not if you do anything else. If you do the exact opposite of this. Yeah. You have to oppose uh, no, it. No, yeah, to, it, to directly counter your instructions. Yeah. Um, and that damage can only happen once a day. Um, a creature that can't understand is unaffected. And you can issue any command you choose, sort of an activity that would result in certain death. Should you issue a suicidal command, the spell ends. But probable death is, is a, go crash your car, is very much on the table still. Yeah. yeah. Now, this is a fifth level enchantment. If you cast this at a, with a seventh or eighth slot, the duration's a year. Um, and if you cast this at ninth level, it uh, lasts until it's ended by either a remove curse, a greater restoration, or a wish. Hmm. Yeah, this is when you mess with free will, it's evil. That's my whole point of this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Just I, 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 I think it's the suffering. Like, as long as it's not directly going to end their life, they have to do it, or they take a handsome amount of psychic damage. So I feel like I cast this on you with editing the podcast, Dan. Yeah. It's like on a weekly basis, you have to edit or you will get yelled at and get 5d12 psychic damage or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, you, Evil. Yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to throw in there before I want to talk about running evil wizards and playing an evil wizard is the spell Dream, which you didn't put in there. Um, the spell Dream is a uh, fairly mundane message spell. For the first large chunk of it, it's a fifth level illusion spell um, that basically lets you pop into other people's dreams, control their dreams, and give them messages. Inception. Stuff, right? It's very much Inception. However, um, if you want it to have nightmares instead, this is also within the realms of dream, where um, you can uh, create echoes of a phantasmal monstrosity uh, that spawns nightmare that lasts the entire duration of the target's sleep. And here's the key. Prevents the target from gaining any benefit from that rest. That means they get their eight-hour sleep. But they also get that one level of exhaustion. And they don't get their, their spells. And or they don't get their yeah. spells or anything back. Or hit dice. Yep. And when it wakes up, it's taking 3d6 psychic damage. If you have a body part, lock of hair... Clipping from a nail or similar portion of the target's body, the target makes the saving throw with disadvantage. This is, this is straight up hang shit. It's sounding creepy yeah. at this point. Right? Yeah. You can straight up kill somebody in five days with this spell if they fail to save. And if you have a lock of their hair, they will fail it. This is this is hang shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dream is insidious as shit if you really want it to be. Yeah. Like Otherwise, it's a nice, happy, like, let's have rainbow unicorns in our dreams. Sure. I feel like this needs to be two different spells. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because I'm just imagining now this is like your your old old lady NPC that you've decided to take with you because she just needed someone to say, like protect or take her to town. And your team slowly keeps waking up exhausted yeah. and yeah. is slowly being killed by this thing. Yeah, okay, so here's the hint for people at home. Never take your character to the barber. Good call. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, guys, so uh, before we move on to a shout-out, I do want to ask, playing an evil wizard can be a 
insurmountable task and quite often it is a necessary one because they are some of the easiest big bad evil guys to go for um quite often if you have a high level party they're fighting an evil wizard they're not fighting an evil barbarian right that's true yeah yeah so do we around this table have any tips and tricks for running as dms evil wizards let's roll got a six 13 i got an eight Yay! Megan, what do you got? Um, honestly, just lean into it. Like, I feel like if you're gonna play an evil wizard, play it and play it well. Do the mind fuckery. Do because I feel like if you're playing an evil wizard, you almost have to do the mind fuckery to help them learn how powerful you are. Yeah. Right. So it can be a slow roll. Like when you're playing at the first, second tiers, it would just be like mind, like small, like maybe you do have visions or illusions or what have you, and it becomes a slow build. But it also gives. The illusion, like the alludes to the power that you have as an evil wizard. You can't just throw an evil wizard at them at the end and be like, boom, here's this big thing. And now it has all these abilities you've never even heard of. It's almost like they have to like have small snippets of what this evil big bad guy has in store for you as you progress through the story. Yeah, this is, we talked about this in the campaign builder series about the idea of earning your your enemy so it doesn't yeah. just seem like it's the dm fucking with the players yeah right so by and i mean i do this you guys have seen me do this with hags and and liches and they run around and they taunt you for a while and then they fuck off and they come back and they taunt you again and then they fuck off yeah. over and every time it's a little bit worse and they're messing with your npcs now and now they're taking away your abilities and now they've killed one of the party members but not everybody just don't screw with me right yeah so and they will just continue to do that yeah. over and over again yeah until you're forced to deal with them exactly right like because we played in a campaign where there was a wizard that was inherently evil from more on the charismatic side he was just an asshole yeah but the small in like snippets that we had in interacting with him we saw one or two abilities that taught us that maybe fighting this thing is not the best idea We should probably either be diplomatic about it, communicate a little bit better, instead of just going in full in battle with it. Like, you you slowly teach them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was next. uh, First and foremost, contingency plus clone. Yes. That's your answer here if you're going to run an evil wizard. Contingency means that you set up specific circumstances. In this case, if I die... And then clone, which is you make a body of yourself. So when you die, there you go, right? Yeah. So contingency plus clone. These two things are going to keep your evil wizard alive when that fighter just decides to get a second wind and then action surges and then fucks your day up when you weren't expecting it. Yeah. They crit, you tripped, you're done, right? Well, here you go. Here's your way out. So, um, and honestly, have them be right. That's my answer for for crazy wizards. Yeah, th- that was gonna be my main thing. Yeah, is is we remember the crazy wizards that we all know and love are Thanos and Magneto, and the people that are right. When we think of crazy wizards, I mean, a lot of people think they think Voldemort, but I mean that guy had trouble attacking a school, right? He is not the big bad evil guy. <laughs> the big bad evil guy of the Harry Potter universe is parental oversight, right? Boom! <laughs> Truth bomb. <laughs> So, um, and did those kids never learn math class? Like, oh, that was... Nope. No. Never. Yeah. So, uh, they're going to have some real trouble with, like, balancing checkbooks later. No, they just wave their wand at it and it does it for them. If they can pronounce it appropriately. Otherwise, they're going to turn the checkbook purple and then erase somebody's mouth. Leviosa. So, it's, uh, it's, honestly, I, it's the sympathetic 
wizard that people are going to remember the most, especially if they've been slowly corrupted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so even having them start off as being a good guy, but I like the idea of absolute power corrupting absolutely. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of there being forbidden knowledges that are forbidden for a goddamn reason. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of there of you get to know so much. In Call of Cthulhu, there's a mechanic where you make a sanity save and sometimes you have to make an intelligence check. And if you succeed on it, then you take damage because you are smart enough to know that this is insane. Yeah. I feel wizards would be up against that shit all the time, especially by the time that they're plane hopping. Yeah. yeah. They're going to accidentally end up in the far realms and there's going to be aberrations and they're going to see, they're going to accidentally scry into Dan's shower and they're going to go mad. Yeah. And then they're going to just need to, to burn the world down because of the horrors that exist within the natural world. Yeah. And that's going to be... You're welcome. <laughs> I, that, I, anyway, that, so that's my answer is crazy for the sake of crazy isn't good. Yeah. Right? These crazy for the sake of crazy is a decent enough villain for tier one. When you're dealing with level 20 and you're dealing with these large campaign level threats, um, there has to be some rationality to them. I would even say it's not even if, whether or not it's tier one. I, I wouldn't accept crazy for the sake of crazy if I'm playing a one to five campaign. If my end fight is just yeah, fighting enough. crazy person, I don't care. If they are a step towards the end of it, then then that's fine. But I have seen crazy for the sake of crazy work, um, but only because the the game was really built more around it being about the journey, but not the destination. Well, that's, that's a funhouse dungeon, right? That's dungeon of the mad mage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and like th th for that campaign, it was uh, a serial killer wizard who went around and kill people in interesting ways and it was basically a detective mystery where you had to like a murder mystery where you had to like solve and find the clues that the wizard intentionally left in every single one of his murders to lead you to either the next murder or him and then at the end of the campaign you fought him and he was balls out crazy crazy for the sake of crazy but um that's just not interesting to me. I want to know what the motivation behind this is. Right. And and that would be more my point is the the rarely are people evil for the sake of evil. People tend to have a reason uh, we we to go walk in down that path. We yeah. go in depth with that with Terry, which is apt. Um, <laughs> on our episode about villains where we say you have to have motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We talk about, I think it's even in the Pillars episodes where we talk about enemy tactics as well. Yeah. Where there has to be a rhyme and reason to this. There's method to the madness. Yes. Yeah. Right. Even Joker, who is like notorious for, do I look like the kind of guy with a plan? Yes, you do, man. Where You didn't just accidentally have a bazooka. You, you, you did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you you have a plan. Nobody just like, oh, accident accidentally bombs two fairies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So so he's adaptable, he's chaotic, yes, but there's always a plan. There's yeah. always a reason. He wants to tear down the establishment. He's an anarchist. Anarchy is a plan. Yeah. It is a motivation, right? And so I I just don't like oh, and he's sitting there smearing the walls with pudding and shit. And I don't I, I don't care. Yeah. I, that's not a villain. That's that's a patient. It's a victim. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also like the idea of like uh, either slowly rolling into it um, with a, a, a wizard that starts off having some sort of trauma happen to him after being a 
good ally of the party for an extended period of time and then just goes down that path where eventually they do start seeking out the forbidden knowledge because they have um to gain revenge for this traumatic act that happened or something right like there there has to be how many justice itself i find could be an e uh, could be a motivator to evil well hold on try this out for size how many wizards are the benefactors of parties like starting off oh, yeah, tons. like Oh, you go off and do this for me because I'm busy over here. And then they go off and they do that, but they murdered a shopkeeper because they're a bunch of little murder hobos. And then later on, they wipe out an entire um, goblin nest, right? And they set fire to it. They don't think about it anymore. But there are there babies in there. Like, like the, the party would, would go through and they would kill the evil mayor and then move on. And there's a power vacuum. And the next person steps up is a tyrannical captain who... It, you know, in states martial law yeah. for jaywalking and shit, right? And you could systematically point out the fact that this wizard has been cleaning up their messes and justifying that this is for the greater good, for the greater good, for the greater good. But now you're level 20, and yes, you killed that red dragon, and that's what I needed you to do the whole time, but I have to put you down now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have gotten way too big for the... And you can say things the entire campaign, like, we just can't have people that are too powerful in the realm... Right, and that's that's why I can't handle this myself. I've got to limit myself. And then you have the necromancer going, "Finger of death, power will word kill." Right, and he's like, "Guys, I've been telling you since day one." And so here we go. I'm going to have to kill you. This is now a murder suicide. I'm going to wipe you guys out, and have to have to end myself for wielding that power. Yeah, yeah. That's a dark way to end a campaign. And if the heroes win, what does that mean? <laughs> right? Are they really heroes? Exactly. And yeah. so anyway. Let's, do we have any tips for uh, players playing an evil uh, wizard? Um, or playing against an evil Or wizard? playing against an evil wizard. Let's go from the player perspective now, dealing with the whole concept of evil wizards. Let's grab our dice. Let's roll for that. I got oh, a 16. We're rolling off, Megan. All right. 14. I got a 19. All right. Is that a 19? That's a 13. That's a 13. I got a 13. I'm going last. Yeah. Um, so if you're a player playing an evil wizard, um, a lot of the same rules we applied as a DM apply to you now as well. Have a method to the madness for your evil wizard. You are a high intelligence caster. Play like one. You have, um, you have, uh, motivations, you have ambitions, you have goals that your character has set. Actually write them down and... As your character's moving through these things, figure out what you need to do to make your way to it. A, a uh, evil wizard in an evil campaign is um, probably trying to manipulate things so that his end goals or her end goals or their end goals come to fruition at the end of the campaign. Write down what your goals are and how to get to them. It makes sense that the evil wizard wants to become a lich. That's, I think, the standard trope that you're yeah, talking about. Yeah. yeah. Well, not even that. Or or domination or finding that secret spell or exacting revenge on this group of people who belittle. Like, there's any number of reasons. Um, to fighting an evil wizard as a PC, um, don't antagonize. <laughs> Try the. I mean, this is going to be campaign to campaign, DM to DM. How you how you fight against an evil wizard? But um, if someone or ha is one of those people that seems to have a contingency to absolutely everything, um, subterfuge and obfuscation are your best friends. So trying to surprise them 
is going to be your best asset. That's that's what I have. Mm. Um, I would play similar to that, just in sense of motivation. I think that if you're going to be playing an evil wizard, know your audience and your group. If your character clearly is your motivations are going to continuously butt heads, it's kind of like playing the stupid lawful good paladin. Yep. I feel like you can fuck up a campaign if yep. you're playing a super evil wizard in an in like a hero world. So I think that with the same kind of trope of know what your ambition is and what your goal is and stick to it. So And then if your group understands that that's what your goal is and that's why you're doing these weird things, it gives them an opportunity to role play with you, to work with you, not necessarily against you. And then have that open-mindedness to work with them. Don't play, again, lawful stupid, but lawful evil. Or like, what is it? Evil, chaotic, stupid nonsense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you're just like, well, this is it and this is where I am. Like, be open-minded as a player and be open-minded as a character. The problem with evil characters is that the players tend to rely on the that's what my character would do excuse. Exactly. That's never a good excuse. Yeah, you almost have to do more work to justify why you're with the party if you're being an evil character. Yeah, and I think they just have to be mentally prepared to do that. So if you're going to be building an evil wizard and that's not an evil campaign... You have to be better at your communication and you have to be better at having those conversations with your DM and with the players outside of character as well as in character. You have to be stronger at role, role playing, I think. And you have to be willing to adapt. Yeah. I, I think I think Like that's... if your character has a change of heart at some point because you're traveling around with this lawful good paladin, let it happen. I've, right? al- I've always been a huge fan of the person who was raised... Um, in, I don't know, an evil cult or something. Like they were raised in a society that was evil and taught to evil but they've never known good yeah and then they're removed from that society and are raised in a like i don't know traditional civilization that actually tries to impart goodness on its people um and they go well why why can't we just go sacrifice the youngest firstborn in the city to get an answer that's what we used to do and they just have no concept of good yeah um and then that's slowly turning into a thing where it develops into a character figuring out that their old ways were actually evil and then fighting against it. And then it learning and, about yeah. it, right? Like, because we played in a campaign where I played a lawful good paladin at the start against a necromancy wizard for... Who, who was lawful evil on yeah, the character sheet. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. right? And her and I, we played in the campaign for years and our characters were literally best friends for yep. quite some time. Yeah. And it was because we came to a role-playing mutual understanding of what each other's goals were. And they aligned at one point on the S curve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys had you had a mutual enemy of a drunk gnome. Yeah, but we knew that. At the end, <laughs> but at, we knew at the end of the campaign it would end with us fighting. Yep. Like we we as players understood that that was going to happen and we accepted it over the corpse of a already dead drunk gnome. Yes. Yeah. Do you have any tips for people that are going to fight an evil wizard? Oh, um, right. Basically. Anything that happens, I feel like you have to have somebody in your party that would research it, right? So, like, how I played into, like, the sense where, like, you would get little snippets from your evil bad guy throughout the campaign. Take the time to understand what happened. Mm -hmm. If suddenly you wake up one morning from a dream and you're all exhausted, take the time to understand why that happened. Yes, your DM is putting the work in to fuck with you. You need to understand how and why. Reciprocate, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. think about how and why. Always ask why, because... Otherwise, you are just going to wake up dead. Yeah, one morning. Yeah. So. This, and, and this is very much a uh, game where the if you're a DM like me, every word that comes out is 
important, if not intentional. So if I mentioned, like we mentioned this in the half-elves episode, if I am suddenly saying that everyone in this town is a half-elf, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Right? It's not just because I went, eh, this is a half-elf town. There's a history. Yeah. Right? Like there's a history to it. There's a reason to it. Yeah. So um, having someone in the group just paying really close attention to what the DM is saying and taking good notes. Even this is the person who takes good notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, for me, when it comes to playing an evil wizard, you guys both really hinted at what I was going to say, but you hit the two opposite ends of it. Um, or, Dan, you said, you know, know what your end goal is, and Megan, you're like, well, and work with people on the way. Evil, to me, is apathetic. It really is. It's a sociopath. And it's someone who is not out to wreck your shit today. I will play six sessions in a row and never do anything evil. I don't need to do anything evil. Yeah. I want the world to just die of atrophy by the end of this campaign. I am waiting for that final boss. We are going to go fight Tiamat. I, I like Tiamat. Everybody knows that I, you know, love dragons and shit. And I keep talking about dragons and nobody's putting it together. We're going to go fight Tiamat. And I don't need to do anything evil. I'm all, there it is. I don't need to go. Yeah, that's my end game. That's yeah, where I'm going. I, I'm not yeah. stabbing people in the back. I'm just biding my time. And when someone's like, oh my God, I'm dying. Does anyone have a health potion? Sit there. Look at your sheet. See the six health potions and go, nope. No, I'm sorry. I don't have enough speed to get to you, so... Yeah, I'm uh. just... It, it, it's not even that. I would just lie. Yeah. And like, didn't we give you one? Yeah, I used it. Must have used it. Yeah. And it's up to them to say, I want to roll an insight check. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so, At which point you say, I'll roll against it. But you don't say, you know, deception or, or persuasion, whatever it is. Because you don't care. That's all it takes. I ran an evil campaign for like a year. And the most evil thing that happened, yes, they were blowing up children in the woods and shit. And they were all gleefully like, ah, ha, 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 we're so evil. But the evil shit was when one person needed help and everyone else stood by and went, huh, well, I wonder what you're going to do about this. Yeah. And they would sit there and look at each other and go, what the fuck, help me. Right? We're, I'm up against a CR7 monster. I'm level 7. I'm one quarter of the power to fight this thing. And everyone else has walked away. Yeah. What am I doing? And everyone else, they see you get swallowed and eaten by the creature. They go, oh, he's dead. Yeah. And they just <laughs> leave. Right? And that is, that is how I would play an evil character. Yeah. Right? But the other thing that I would absolutely love to do is say the entire time, I'll get you for that. <laughs> You'll regret that eventually. Oh, man, I guess that's how we're playing it, huh? And keeping super vague. Yeah. Because then in 20 sessions, it's like, all right, roll initiative. So today is the day you're... Pay Remember when that happened? And I, I, I'm taking notes. I got three pages of the shit you said. That bard that keeps teasing me, that barbarian who keeps trying to punch his way through magical barriers. Mm -hmm. Fuck you guys. Enough is enough. Here it comes. Yeah. Right? So that is, that to me, those are the evil people in my life are the people that don't give a shit. The people that look around and say, oh yeah, it is horrible that all of this crazy stuff is happening in the world and I feel really bad. I've never donated to charity and I worked for that money. Yeah. This is mine. Hmm. Right? And that to me makes me twitch, right? But, so that's all I need to do is just, for if I want to be evil, no group loot. No, 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 no. Give me my share. Yeah. I'm not kicking in with you guys. Yeah. Um, and anyway, against an evil wizard, you need to have scrolls and wands and potions of of counterspell, counterspell, dispel magic, 
uh, remove curse. Globe of invulnerability. It's not even that. It's, it's, I mean, that helps in, and what is the, the magic circle as well helps and whatnot, but it is the ability to undo magic. Yeah. And that is going to frustrate the shit out of, out of the, the wizard. And by the way, for the record, slow is a better spell than haste. Yes. Use slow against the enemies. Don't haste a barbarian. Slow is better. It cripples an enemy. So use that. Have that. Just just wait. And I got a staff. I've got a I've got a stave with with a whole bunch of slow on it. This final battle is going to be nothing. Oh, he cast whatever counter spell. Oh, he put up a force field to spell magic. And I'm not even using my actions or spell slots for it. Yeah. Just items. Every time you have the opportunity, you know you're going up against a, a mage at level two. Tell your DM, I want to go find a scroll that does this. The DM won't see it coming when you just say, hey, look at all of these items that I have. Yeah. And you whip out a notebook full of them. It's true. Right? So that is how I would say you're going to waltz through the end of this. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I just want to remind everyone that you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and at r slash It's a Mimic on Reddit. You can always reach out to us through our email at info at itsamimic.com because we love hearing from you guys. Any questions that you send us will get added to the lists for upcoming mailbag episodes. Okay, guys, uh, we are now at the end of the episode, so let's grab our dice, and with all of these class specials, we want one creative build using the class that we covered. So let's roll. I got a four. I got a one. They got knocked to an 18. I got a seven. Okay, so uh, for me, um, the idea of a war wizard who balances the... Uh, the um, schools of evocation and abjuration to me is very interesting. Um, the fact that they don't get any other armor proficiencies and stuff bothers me. So you got Adam, mage armor, you got shit. You got mage armor, you got shit. You you've got this uh, arcane deflection ability, sure, but um, you Which act- won't stack with shield because you have to use your reaction. So um, I would definitely have, Adam, you hit the nail on the head a little bit earlier, where you would use the War Mage as a bit of a class dip, and I would do the same um, with war, with a War Cleric, a War Domain Cleric, um, and I would mix the two. You need a lot of high stats for that. Uh, I mean, you would just need higher Wisdom and higher Int. That's all you need. Uh, You don't need decks because you got your heavy armor. The war cleric is in mixing it up, though. I mean, you need con and strength. You would need you would need con. You don't really need strength because you're going to be using your spells more than anything else in a close touch mail like like, uh, touch spell um, focus, right? Like your shocking grasps. Those kind of spells are the ones you're using more often than not. Yeah, my problem with that is that you are too to split to be able to get a really big expended spell slot list, right? So you are going to be... Well, no, because you, you don't need to go too far into Cleric to to uh, get what you would need to make this character who just waltzes confidently into the me- middle of uh, a battlefield, tower shield or heavy steel shield in one hand, full plate mail armor, and nothing. A book, an open hand, something. And he just um, waves his sword in your direction and things blow up. You can make an AC monster doing this. Because not only do you have, you know, all of these full plates and tower shields and everything else. You have 
all these reactions to give bonuses to your spell uh to your ac as well um this is a great way to build just a durable fortress in the middle of a battle who is going to be throwing around some pretty hefty spells because you've got that evocation focus as well um funny enough i love the idea every single time i think of this i think of a dwarf going in this is your dwarf wizard um who is just waltzing into this fight actively looking forward to the next fight actively looking forward to the next battle controlling the battle from the midst of it i feel like you almost i feel like you want to go um battle master Instead of War Cleric. The only problem with Battlemaster is you are very limited with the amount of superiority dice you get. So it's not really worth it. And you only need to go like two levels into uh, um, Cleric cleric to get this. Right? Yeah, that's fair. But I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not going 18 levels of Warcaster. You're going 18 levels of War... war, I don't see the point of it. War Wizard. Okay, interesting. Well, the thing is, the War Wizard is more focused on the spell casting side of it, right? I guess. So, So... you're a full plate wearing heavy steel shield wielding disintegrate bomb. You basically just want the cleric to get the the armor and the the physical the armor pieces. plus the couple things that war yeah. domain give you as well. And then the war the war, war wizard, wizard fully builds that for out. the spells yeah. and the actual ability to cast and destroy. Yeah. yeah. And and this is this is the the tactician that is actually walking into the midst of battle, gleefully fighting alongside of his brethren, mm. uh, and and yeah, and I, surviving. I feel like I can get that out of a conquest paladin as well. Like I, I feel like yes, what you're saying is cool. You can find that flavor in a lot of different ways. Yeah. If you wanted to be more offense than defense, there are other slightly yeah. other subclasses. I, I'm just like, how do you be a frontline fighter without a sword? And it would be this this guy. Yeah. Mm, ask a monk. True. But the, the, the whole point of it is the destructive spells that you get. Yeah, right? that, that's fair. Yeah. All right, who's next? You were. Um, I like the idea of the player that doesn't actually get involved in combat. I always like the idea of playing a uh, pacifist. But he's not a pacifist because he doesn't believe in war. He just can't be bothered. So that is my enchantment wizard. That No, 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 hit someone else. And he is slowly walking through the battlefield. He's not dashing. He is just strolling through the battlefield going, hit that guy over there. You turn around, walk away. All right, guys, I got to the lever. Pulls the lever. Finishes the room somehow and turns around and walks back. This is the guy. He's R2 and 3PO. They're just walking through the laser blasts going, oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious me. Yeah. Yeah. And and I really like the enchantment wizard for that kind of feel. Like, hey, hey. Just, just don't. Yeah, just, it, please don't. And and it's it's a lot better than playing the guy who's like, no, 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 I'm just gonna sit out for this battle. Yeah, like this is this is a pacifist who actually has use in combat. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'll blow stuff up if I need to. There, there, there is a giant in the way. I will need to blow him up. So I guess I'll walk up to him, yeah. <laughs> right? And the idea is that he's almost nonchalant. The the enchantment wizard in my head can't be bothered with convincing people with charisma rolls. He just, uh, I'll deal with the bartender. Hold on. Yeah. And he stands up and he walks over, just casts a spell, gets his shit, turns around and walks away. Yeah. That's, hey, we, we need to interrogate this guy. Uh, all right, fine, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And he's almost bored with it. And I'm going to play an elf doing this because I want that long lifespan of yeah. the, like, I've seen this all before, whatever. 
And the fact that I can't be I, aloofness to yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so just just walking through and kind of waving the hand at, at the issue. And when he gets hurt badly, okay, motherfucker. All right, here we go. I got spells. We can do this. Yeah. <laughs> right? And just just getting louder and louder. And then he gets angry and he comes down and he's like, no. I didn't even want to come to this dungeon anyway. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Calm emotions. Calm emotions. Uh, I'm going to cast friends, calm emotions on myself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we got this. Do uh, some yoga. We're fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I really like that character. That that It's less mechanical. It's more of an attitude to it. But I I don't know. I love the idea of the guy that's, that... I've been waiting to see how to make C-3PO through the... the classes as yeah. we do all of these to see who's just going to waltz through and never get hit. And I was thinking it's probably a monk, mm-hmm. but the monks are very intentional with it. Yeah. Right. And I feel like, cause they're deflecting arrows and shooting them back and stuff. And then the was just like, leave me alone. I don't know. We're over here. R2 this way. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's, that's good too. Cause if you ever do take a lot of damage, you could always enchant the, the large sized, uh, um, dog to carry you around on a backpack for a while. I would say bug bear, but yeah. 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 Um, but I, this is great for, uh, for escort mm-hmm. missions as well, right? Like we need to get some escorts to this part. No, no, you, no, wrong kind of escort. Right, right. <laughs> Megan, Megan, save us. <laughs> oh Lord. Um, really enough, I thought of something kind of similar in the sense of like, the age and how An it escort change. Part? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Escorts and necromancy. Let's put that. Let's put oh, those two oh, together. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Wrong, wrong kind no, of necro. Wrong necro. I didn't save it. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just the sense of what long life would do to your mental aptitude when it comes to the idea of necromancy. And yeah. I actually wanted to go up the side of the good. So it's almost like an elf or an ASMR or someone that dabbled in necromancy for quite some time. I know it's weird, right? Yeah, um, you're the only person that says that so fast. It sounds like ASMR. And ASMR. I go, your character's just slowly whispered. Don't you dare do it, Slowly whispering. <laughs> slowly whispering. I did that for one of the Fiend episodes and, and it was just me for the entire thing. And Stop it. Yeah, Dan got really uncomfortable. I hate it. it. Um, he learned some things about himself that night. Gross. Uh, <laughs> But, um, thanks. <laughs> you guys are the worst. Um, but anyway, spent so much time understanding the what death does to the world to the point where they don't want to do it anymore. So they actually have now made the sense that they don't want to kill. So they actually will not take a life. They will, and then their their newest, like their new aptitude for life is the only reason why they would bring someone back is to record their story. Hmm. So their whole gimmick in life is that they won't kill. So essentially at this point in their life, if they're going into battle, their spells are buff spells, debuff spells, um, manipulating the ground or the earth, like doing things to help the battlefield, essentially, but will not do a damage spell on something and will not give the killing blow to something. Hmm. Um, and, we'll, but, and we'll try to bring them back to the best of their abilities, but sometimes it's just an Yeah, idea. but yeah. they would only bring them back in the sense that it's to gather a story so that this would be a team where they would probably have a bard that's there to take the story, take the song, do the thing, and like commemorate their life, right? So again, this is this is a person who has lived a lengthy life, understands the value of life, doesn't want to take it anymore, and is more interested in learning from the lives that people have had. So they're okay with the whole necromancy bringing things back to assist, but never to actually kill. So this, this character seems to have like the same amount of, funny enough, uh, inherent 
trauma to it. Yeah. Of like the Wanda Maximovs of the world, right? <laughs> like the no more mutants. We're yeah, done. we're done. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds to me like this is perfect for a party with a way of the long death monk, a grave cleric, and a college of lore yeah. bard. Something so like they're that. going around to study death, preserve, de- preserve life. Yeah. They're doing the rest. A circle of spores, spores as well. Yeah, I was going to mention Right? That. Like, yeah. hey, death and rot is a part of it, but that's but okay. You, you could yeah. also do a, like a shadow sorcerer or like... Yeah, but that's more shadow man. It's not really death. Way of the long well, death was like, hey, hey, bud. Yeah, but but, but but shadow magic comes from the shadow fell, which comes which which will bleed a lot of this into it as well, right? Like even even your uh, uh, what is the way of the shadow um, monk? Yeah. yeah, yeah, way of shadows. Yeah, uh, shadow sorcery is such a poorly defined thing in fifth ed yeah, that I, I have trouble yeah. dealing with shadow magic, wrapping my brain around what exactly it's supposed to do. What yeah. what role is it filling? The fact we have shadow magic, but we don't have, like, water mages pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> so. And why is nothing about cold? We need cold. in the, You know what? I'm going to rant. We should wrap this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that'll be it for this uh, week's episode. Nope. That'll be it for this week's episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can head over to www.itsamimic.com and hit our fancy donate button. Or tell your friends and the rest of your D&D party about the podcast. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. And don't forget to come back next week when we're covering clerics. Thank you for listening to another It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, shoutouts, requests, and mailbag questions can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. Okay, guys, one of the most iconic things about wizards uh, are their familiars. Um, It has been relegated to a spell now, not a uh, class feature or anything else like that. They're not arcane focuses like they've been in previous editions. Okay, but go nuts. Okay. Um, Stop. (laughs) (laughs) My question for you real quick, and I do want to roll for this. What, What familiar is best? And why? I got a five. Did uh, I roll a one? You got a natural one, yeah, and Adam I, got a fifteen. I got a fifteen. Fuck. Um, honestly, bats. You think? Absolutely, Normal. bats. Because a, they can fly, so they can get the fuck out. Yep. B, they're perfectly fine underground, whereas a hawk or an eagle or a falcon is going to have some issues. And they do not rely on echolocation for sight; they rely on it for hunting. Oh, cool. Bats can see just as well as every other mammal. So because I like bats in my own personal life, my answer is bats. I just happen to know a little bit about them. And you can get fucking big ones that are as big as Terry's ego. Yeah. Like these things can uh, be not massive. Quite that big. Well, cl- cl- it's a fantasy world. We can we can imagine. All right. So, but they're... I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> do, you, do you have a problem with bats? Huh? Do you have a problem with bats? Just, like it, spiders? Like are they... Where do they just, rank? Things that just move in an erratic formation weird me out. You should not watch me run then. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Um, for me, it's got to be ravens. I, I love... Uh, not just because I had one for a character, but their ability to mimic speech, um, to me, really adds a lot of utility to uh, the Raven Familiar. Um, 
Now, Adam, you played this to a great effect by having my familiar constantly cuss me out and call me an asshole in front of everybody. Yep. But um, Good times. for having a familiar be able to maybe speak what you, the warging wizard, uh, is thinking, it works for me. So I, I, I like ravens. And they're just as useful in all the same ways you just mentioned for bats, except for the echolocation. But, I mean, they're still incredibly intelligent birds. I, I feel like bats are going to have a, a advantage or a bonus to audio, to hearing with perception checks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, they're blind. Not, not blind sense, but they're going to have, they're going to be better in dim light. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. than a raven. But, also, ravens are everywhere. A bat hanging out in the middle of a city in the middle of the day is going to get swatted at, but a raven might not. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, there's a give or take on that. I would still, honestly, for ravens, Dan... Nevermore. Oh, God. No, stop. Well, uh, octopus. Um, <laughs> I guess it's Desert the, campaign. It's the most <laughs> inefficient thing to carry around on the planet, but would be adorable. And it just made me think that I actually would just want a familiar that is a ditto. Just some gelatinous goop thing that could turn into whatever I wanted. A ditto is a Pokemans. Is it, it's a, it's a di- Pokedigimons. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but beyond me. it's just a gelatinous thing that can turn into whatever you want so just so a baby mimic yeah basically but an octopus would be the closest thing that i could get to that yeah i like that oh my god yeah because the tentacles can grab stuff now i want a capuchin monkey there you go there's no reason why you couldn't and i could like go pick stuff up and carry it around and <laughs> you put a little suit on it i i once had a uh fairy dragon that was a uh, familiar for a character and its name was puck and i found this really disgusting image of like a fat bloated dripping fairy dragon and this thing would just follow behind my uh sorcerer at all times breathing heavily what the puck dan <laughs> it was the best thank you for listening to an it's a mimic production <laughs> okay you're done <laughs> note to self always add an anus on every monster anus. <laughs> pro anus is that what you're saying <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>